If you're hearing talk on the Internet, you're listening to TalkZone.com. It's showtime. TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber and our guest, Stanton T. Friedman, author of Flying Saucers and Science. Stanton, I want to scoot over to a few other areas that I would like our audience to hear about. Uh, okay. The Maelstrom Air Force Base uh, experiences and situations and events, and also I think the Ukraine missile launch site uh, have similar events. You want to talk about those? Well, just briefly, the uh, one of the many myths about UFOs that it's only people who want to be excited about space, who have good imaginations, who see things from their backyard, you know, and usually uneducated people, half drunk. I mean, that's the mythology. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that for most of us serious ufologists, the best cases are those involving the military, especially when you have combined sources of information like uh, radar visual cases mm-hmm. where you got radar on the ground and radar in the sky in the airplane and the guys on the ground seeing what the guys in the air see. Yeah, Conf- confirmation. Yeah, and so we there are many such cases. Now, unfortunately, and this is something most people don't know, uh, General Carol Bolander, who was in charge of the efforts to build the lunar excursion module, incidentally, in 1969, after we successfully landed on the moon, uh, he was given the job of figuring out what should we do about the Air Force Project Blue Book. The Condon Report, University of Colorado study for half a million dollars, had been published earlier that year recommending that Project Blue Book be closed. And so General Bolander, who had no previous connection with uh Blue Book, but was a good engineer, was asked to look into the matter, and he put out a memo, which we didn't know about because it was classified until many years later, and mm-hmm. in the course of this memo, he's weighing the pros and cons of closing it, what's it contributing, and all this kind of thing. He said, moreover, reports of UFOs, which could affect national security, are made in accordance with Joint Army-Navy Air Force Publication 146, or Air Force Manual 55-11, and are not part of the Blue Book system. Two paragraphs later, he says, look, if we close Project Blue Book, the public won't have a place to report UFO sightings. However, as previously noted, reports which could affect national security mm-hmm. will continue to be investigated using the regulations established for that purpose. Now, Think about that for a minute. The good stuff didn't go to Project Blue Book. Okay, Malmstrom Air Force Base was a place where we had a bunch of Minuteman missiles with nuclear warheads around, ready to be launched to massive retaliation, mutual assured destruction. Remember the concept during the Cold War? Uh, They come after us. We'll go after them, folks. Anyway, there was... Uh, an incident that happened that took hours. There were many crew members outside. Now, many of the control rooms and stuff are underground, of course, and the rocket is in a silo underground, yep. basically. And so the security people called in to the boss down below that there were some strange red lights right near the, the facility. 
Now, the missiles are not right next to each other. They're spread out, so one missile from the enemy won't take out all the retaliatory missiles, of course. I see. And to make a very long story short, there was an evening in which uh, there were a bunch of missiles that were apparently shut down by whatever these things were near the fence outside, which caused great consternation among the guards and stuff. And remember... People who work at missile launch facilities are checked to begin with psychologically. Yeah. You don't really want guys with access to nuclear weapons to be unstable emotionally. You know? Right. Yeah. If, if the word comes that, hey, we're going to launch these things and kill 10 million people, uh, you know, you need people who can handle that. So yeah. uh, Robert Salas, uh, who, whom I've met, he was an officer there a major, I guess, at the time. And there is paperwork on this. Uh, Boeing was involved. And, you know, there was a big concern. What the heck happened to our missiles? Why are they all shut down? And it turned out that another part of the facility, a few miles away, same thing happened. (laughs) So, you know, these aren't kids playing games now. They aren't imagining that the missiles go down. They got all kinds of checks and cross-checks and cross-checks right. on the cross-checks. Yeah, they're f- both feet are on the ground on these guys. Yeah, and so we have similar cases involving B-52 aircraft and other missile facilities. And the, the important thing is these are people we are trusting with extraordinarily sophisticated and destructive weapons of mass destruction. We yep. did have them. I mean, Iraq might not have but Oh, they did. And so uh, you cannot, uh, I can't stand this double standard that people have. Uh, you know, people are poor observers. Well, if they, if we can explain what they saw, then they're great observers. That's how we explain most things. You I know, see. with Venus, because that's the, that gave the right direction, the right time, you know, the rate at which it moved, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but if we can't explain it, then they're poor observers. Yeah, I got well, you. Here are people at this sophisticated facility. Uh, we're trusting them with this sophisticated and destructive technology, but we're not going to believe what they say if they say they saw a flying saucer. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's it's a two, yeah, two side street. Yeah, now they're you're, psycho. <laughs> yeah, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves yeah. with Keith and Charmy Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up. One show at a time, Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Stanton T. Friedman, author of Flying Saucers and Science. Yes, it is inconsistent that they're supposed to be very aware, and yet they uh, probably saw something if wrong. If they re- re- don't report the right thing right. the way they want to hear it, then there's something wrong with them. So they did see the lights of these uh, craft that were shutting yeah. them down. Yeah. And at first, I mean, when the first call came in, uh, Salas was, you know, a big deal. What's going on here? But then when the missile silos started shutting down and when there were other people, and he went up topside to look at what was going on. So this is not an isolated instance. We have many cases. Well, I'd like the uh, RB-47 case. We had a reconnaissance plane flying out over the Gulf of Mexico. The sighting lasted an hour and a half. With guys on board the plane, they pick up signals from an object which they see. Mm-hmm. They report to the ground. The ground radar picks up them and this 
other object, station keeping with them. This went on for an hour and a half. Now, these, this is a very sophisticated airplane loaded with our best radar and radio wave receiving equipment and stuff like that. And this last, I mean, they're looking out the window. They see it. Their equipment shows there's a signal coming from it. And it stayed still for quite a ways and while. And, you know, airplanes don't do, do that. that. Right. <laughs> and so, again, you're trusting them with sophisticated equipment, but you're not going to believe what they say. Now, this is one of the, the best paper at those congressional hearings in Washington and July 29th, my birthday, 1968, uh, was by Dr. James E. McDonald, a professor of physics at the University of Arizona, and he described this case in great detail that I was just talking about. Talked to all seven crewmen on board that reconnaissance plane, RB-47. It was one of 41 cases he talked about that he personally had investigated. He talked to over 500 witnesses altogether. And this is one of the documents that's listed on my website that you can't get in normal places, but I have made copies available, because it's 71 pages long, and it's the best single paper I know of about good cases, multiple witness radar visuals, sightings over big cities. He dispels all the myths that the noisy negativists make pronouncements about, Mm -hmm. but that turn out not to be true. And so... Jim, unfortunately, died in uh, 1971, a sad story, but uh, he was a great ufologist. And so if you want good material, in other words, it's out there. This is listed on my website, www.stantonfriedman.com, and Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. I just had a call before we went on the air from somebody who, he, it didn't work. I gave him uh, my website. Well, he spelled my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it won't work. But we have sightings from space. We have multiple witness cases. And we were talking before about magneto-aerodynamics to explain the little Earth excursion modules. Yeah. And you want a good analogy. Think of an aircraft carrier, which can operate for 18 years, nuclear-powered, of course, without refueling, which is pretty neat. And the... 75 little airplanes it carries, which can only operate for two or three hours without refueling, you know. We're accustomed to dealing with with that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so the, the real world intrudes upon us, but there are also reports of huge motherships, for want of a better phrase. I suppose you could call them fatherships, but <laughs> fathers don't give birth, so, you know. Uh, and a case up in... Um, the Yukon, uh, a total of 33 witnesses were interviewed by a man named Martin Jasek, who's written a report, a report about it, um, in groups of two and three. It was in, in the winter in December, so you weren't wandering around. You were driving on the Klondike Highway. I've been up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all stopped at this one. There's only one place to stop for gas and food and so forth. And he happened to hear about one case, and he went and talked to the guy who was the proprietor, and he told him about other people who stopped in and so forth. Anyway, he did, because he was a civil engineer, he did a triangulation and was able to determine that that thing up there, which this lasted for more than half an hour, uh, was someplace between half a mile and one mile long. 
Mm. It was a huge mothership up there. <laughs> yep. And so it's not the only case like that that we have. Uh, I like the case of the French airplane, a 747, again, up over Alaska in this case, which uh, observed something that flew around it. It was twice the size of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and they got permission from the ground to, to fly in a circle. You can't change a route, you know, without getting permission. And this thing station kept with them. And this was all recorded, the, the conversations, the film, the radar systems, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a pretty good case when you've got the crew of a 747 uh, observing out the window and with their plane radar and with the ground radar. And all the papers were taken by yeah. the FAA guy uh, to a Washington meeting, and everybody was told to shut up, and it didn't happen, and forget about it entirely. It's amazing. Wow. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Our guest today, Stanton T. Friedman, who spent since 1967 studying UFOs that have uh, been sighted around the world, and his book coming out in May is Flying Saucers and Science. So right here we're on the big island of Hawaii, and we can walk over a couple hundred yards and see the top of Mauna Kea that has a lot of telescopes yeah, yeah. on it. And they say it's the tallest mountain from the base to the top in the world. Well, and yeah, because the base is way below sea level. It's way right. below sea level. And right up against that mountain, Charmy and I were driving uh, towards that mountain one day from where we are. We're on the little tip that points right to Maui from the Big Island. We, we see mm-hmm. Maui right out our window kind of thing. So we're driving towards that, and we see this huge ship that we estimate's about... Point. We, we know the roads and everything over there, how far it is from one little town to another. And so we estimate it's somewhere between 25 and 45 miles across. And it has this iridescent sheen. It's completely, perfectly in the shape of a, of a saucer. And it seemed like they showed it to us for a while. We used to have a crystal shop here in town, and it was sort of funny. One of our friends was a guy who lay cement, and we happened to see him th- that evening, and he comes back by and says, "Yeah, I saw that too. Wasn't that something?" <laughs> you know, he's he's a hardworking guy. I saw, you know, it was like the same time we were going, and um, it it was like, uh, you know, we get our Charmaine and I are a bit psychic, so we get a communication with them in there. But another time, we're talking about large motherships. Another yeah. time, um, uh. Let's see, she's like an elf lady. I mean, she's just from another dimension kind of thing. And I was staying with her. We were doing some work together, and I traveled to that city, and I stayed with her for a while, three four days. And we, we did some interesting food, and we did some interesting little meditations together. And we both sort of took the trip together. It was an odd, extraordinary thing. But one of the ships, uh, I guess you call it a ship, it was like a world. It wasn't round. It was like a, oh, almost like a triangle gone back to a center, and then another triangle comes out the top of it, and there's like a tube, you know, an eighth of the size of the triangles of both ends of it. But it was going in a slow rotation, 
and uh, it was off of a, uh, like you could see a planet in the distance, but it was like a spaceship of a different shape with tons and tons and tons of people, and way bigger than this ship, way bigger than this 45 miles or 25 miles across, huge, and it was just astonishing, and I totally believe that's a real place out there that we saw right then that was made. We need well, to take a break. Well, surprise me, and you know, <clears throat> we ought to deal with something else here. Um, you got about ten is, seconds. Before one we... argument against saucers is why would anybody out there send so many ships here? There's just too many sightings. They can't possibly be extraterrestrial. Forgetting that one mothership could carry a hundred little ones. Yeah, we'll, we'll pick just that up second. after break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber. Our guest today is Stan T. Friedman, author of Flying Saucers and Science. Stay with us. We'll be right back. <laughs> 